Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Um, my name is Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Clopine. He's a CPA. Right here, Ed Slot. You know who that guy is, Al? I do. Did you get this thing yet? Yes, I got it. Did you see that? Yep, page one. What to watch for in 2017? I got it right here. What's the number one thing on there? Death of the stretch IRA. Good boy. And you just talked about that, Joe, and, and the stretch IRA is a way for your children, when they inherit your IRA, to stretch it over their lifetime, meaning that, let's say, and this is current law, and this may go away, this is current law, so your grandchild is 20 years old, inherits some of your IRA, and then what, what happens is they have to take a required minimum distribution, even though they're only 20, however, it's based upon their life expectancy, so let's just say they're supposed to live 80 years. And they're 20 years old, so that's 60 years to go. So you take the balance and divide it by 60, and that's what they need to take. Now, if the stretch IRA goes away to how the how the law was before it, and it was probably, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, 2000 give, give, or, give or take, somewhere in there. Uh, if it goes away, we're going to go back to those old rules, which means all of the money in the IRAs need to be withdrawn within five years, which could put your kids and grandkids in much higher tax brackets because every time they pull money out of an IRA, it's taxed at ordinary income just as it would have been for you. Yeah, but here's what people think. It's like, well, my kids or grandkids, they have a lot lower tax bracket than I do. Well, until they have to pull the retirement account out. Right. Right, because they'll say, well, he's in the 15% tax bracket. Yeah, to a certain level of income. Yeah, so to, to a little a simple example. So let's say you're... Your grandson or granddaughter makes $40,000 a year, and you're thinking, well, they're in the lowest bracket, so it doesn't really hurt them. But let's just say you've got a lot of money in your IRA. A million and, bucks. A million bucks, and, they, and they're the sole beneficiary. Okay. So under this, with the stretch going away, they would have to pull out $200,000 per year. Or they could wait and just pull everything out on the fifth year. In year five really and do a million dollars. But now they're making 240000 a year for five years, which now puts them in the highest tax bracket. Right? And that's the problem here with this. Right. So then if you look at today's rates, you got 40% federal, 10% state of California, 50% gone. That's right. So this is why it's so important that the planning around this is key. Now, this is, this is a proposal, um, but most CPA experts that Al and I uh, pay attention to, uh, and if you look at Congress and how they've kind of signed these congressional um, bills, is that it's probably coming. We don't know when. We're guessing it's going to be next year, 2017. Ed Slot said it could be as early as January of 2017. Yeah, that's what, and he is Mr. IRA. He, yeah. is, he is, I mean, if anyone knows, I don't think anyone in the country knows more about IRAs than he does. Probably not. You know, Natalie Choate, maybe, or, you know, um, Keebler. Keebler, yeah. Bob Keebler. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's been on the show. Yes, he has. Yeah. Oh. We couldn't get Ed Slot there. Oh, he's, he's too busy. <laughs> too busy. Yeah, he might charge us like 50 grand. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I could be on the show, but yeah. 50 grand, please. So, um, but yeah, so be careful. I think this is a really com key component because, man, there's so much money in retirement accounts. Yeah. And, and IRAs, 401ks, right. and everything else. And then it's, 
and a lot of you are afraid to even touch these accounts, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to spend everything else down. I'm going to let my retirement plan grow and not touch it. Because as soon as you start touching the retirement accounts, then that anxiety comes in. It's like, oh boy, here we are. Now I'm in asset depletion mode where they're blowing up all their other accounts. But now it's like, okay, well, once I hit the retirement account, it's psychological. Correct. Be careful with that strategy. Because as the, the the bigger that thing gets, the more you're going to lose potentially from taxes. Um, and you, we don't know what's going to happen in life. We could, you know, get hit by a bus tomorrow, and if that stretch IRA is no longer, um, you know, so then it's looking at a strategy of all right. Well, here I have these assets. How do I slowly drain them out? Do I spend them? Do I put them in a brokerage account, or maybe you, you convert some of it to a Roth IRA? You take a look at what tax bracket that you're in, and you kind of say, "All right, well, maybe I start taking a little bit off the table here." From it's like tax diversification, right, or tax rebalancing. Yes, right. is, is another way to look at this. Is to say, "All right, well, here I got this much money into a retirement account. Let's kind of do some." planning here, forecast a little bit. How old am I now? How much do I have? How much am I contributing to it? Or am I done contributing to it? Am I taking any money out of the, the account? And take a look and then say, all right, well, maybe it might make sense for me to pull a little bit off the table and then put it into a Roth. A Roth IRA will grow 100% tax-free. There is no required minimum distribution in a Roth IRA. And then if it pass, if you pass with a Roth IRA, then the kids can take those dollars out tax-free. Tax-free. So grows tax-free for your life, the spouse's life, and then the kid's life. It's very, very powerful if you do this right. Yeah. So then it's just kind of looking at things and saying, all right, well, don't use the status quo, right? Just it, It's not as complicated as it might seem. It's just looking at it maybe in a different lens. Well, I think so too, Joe. And I think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to a Roth IRA, uh, if for you and if you pass your spouse, there currently there is no required minimum distribution. And if it goes to your kids, grandkids, non-spouse, then they do have to take a required minimum distribution, although it's tax-free. So currently, they can stretch that Roth IRA over their lifetime just like a regular IRA, which is great because then you get tax-free growth for the beneficiary's lifetime. But if the stretch goes away, and you're right, Joe, most experts are saying it's likely to go away next year. We don't know that, but that's what that's what experts are saying. Then it's even more important to have your own IRA dollars in a Roth, which is tax-free, because if the kids, grandkids have to distribute that money within five years, tax-free is not going to change their tax bracket. If it's still in a regular IRA, it could significantly change their tax bracket. 100% of that balance will go to the kids. Right, exactly, 100%. So as a a consequence, people need to be looking at Roth conversions right now. I think this is probably one of the most important times ever to be be doing conversions. The unfortunate thing is you have to do it by December 31st for this year. This year. Right, we know we have this year. Maybe we have next year. Maybe, you know, hard to to know, but uh, I think... Probably over the next few years, it's going to make a lot of sense for many people to get as much money they can into a Roth IRA. And us, I, I would say a lot of people also don't really understand the difference between you do a Roth conversion versus pull the money out and spend it versus put the money in a brokerage account. It's all the same. It's the same tax no matter what you do with it. It's just so the dollars. It's the dollars, right? So you pull out $10,000. 
whatever tax bracket. Let's say you're in a 40% tax bracket, $4,000 tax. That's true whether you spend it, whether you put it in your savings account, whether you do a Roth conversion. It's the same tax. But if you're not going to spend it, wouldn't I rather have that money sitting in a Roth IRA, which grows tax-free, as opposed to my savings account or brokerage account, which I'm going to have to pay taxes on earnings and growth in the future? It's kind of a no-brainer when you think about it that way. Right. Great point. And then you're, oh, I know we're talking about the stretch and, you know, passing to the wealth of the next generation. A lot of you are saying, well, I don't have any kids, or you know what, I don't really care for my kids. <laughs> Maybe some of you are. Yeah. But it, it's going to benefit you long term because then it's going to give you the tax diversification that you need to create the income that you need. Yeah, and that's such a key point. Right. Joe. And, and so the first point when you look at this, it should be you and your family of, all right, well, it, my, it's my retirement. How do I create the income that I need from my retirement? And then if there's something left over for the kids, that's great, but that's not my main focus. Focus. That's what a lot of people I, I think that come through our office, you know, that's, you know, hey, it would be nice if I left them some, but I'm not going to go broke to make my kids rich. So, but still, when doing Roth conversions, it's going to help you out immensely. But then, God forbid, if you pass, you know, prematurely, then it's not going to, you know, do all, all that hard work that you build up that cash. It's not needlessly going to go to the IRS. Right. And the reason, Joe, is because taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. They sure don't. You got to keep uh, paying taxes. Unfortunately, I know it's a it's a sad fact. Seventy years old, seventy five, eighty, eighty five. You're still paying taxes. If you're not retired, you'll soon, you'll learn. Uh, your retirement nest egg comes with all sorts of new rules, but also opportunities. Instead of contributing to those retirement accounts and creating a tax deduction, you start pulling money out uh, and for income and paying taxes at your regular rates. Unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA, this is so important. If you can have some tax diversification some money in a Roth IRA, you can have some of your income each year coming out of a Roth, therefore staying out of some of the higher tax brackets. And as you near retirement... All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al. Your Money, Your Wealth. Um, Alan, I got um, some questions here for you. Really? Yes. Okay. Unless you got some earth-shattering news that our listeners need to hear. No, I think we're ready for questions. Good, because there's some doozies in here. Oh, good. So uh, this is the email bag. Once a week, we go through some emails, and sometimes it takes us a couple of minutes, and sometimes it takes us a couple of hours to go through this. <laughs> and uh, this is through Investopedia. Okay. Um, if you've ever been to Investopedia, you could go there. Um, but they, they asked me, there's an email I got right here. Hello, Joseph. Below are a few of the latest questions that have been submitted from investors with your areas of expertise. Oh. So. They're looking for you, you to answer them. Yes, sir. Have you seen these questions, or is this just reading them right up the sheet? No, they print them out when I walk out the door. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and <laughs> so, I study them. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'm just asking, because I haven't seen them. So, well, so, no, that's the fun of it. I know, and I think our listeners need to know that. That's why we are oh, That's why we stumble so much. Just in case you blow up, <laughs> you're giving yourself an out. Uh, already, I'm, I've got my excuse. Yes, oh, excuse to Because I, I heard, I've, I've heard another financial radio show where they, they kind of make fun of it, but they say, well, it's, it's, uh, we don't take live callers because he only wants to answer the questions he knows the answers to. No, we just we just ask any of them. It's, it's, yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, this if we don't it. know it, we'll say we don't know it. <laughs> I was listening to this podcast, and it was the most interesting question. It was, I've contributed to a Roth IRA or something like this. So this is going off of memory. Okay. All right. 
And so it was like, all right, well, I've been contributing to a Roth IRA over the last couple of years. Can I move that Roth IRA into a traditional IRA and then claim the tax deduction? Oh, that is a strange but interesting question. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The answer is no, by the way. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what are you talking about? Because now I'm in a higher bracket. Can I take that deduction that I didn't take before? Right. I like the thinking. It's creative. And then so the, the answer was, well, yes, only if you're broke. What? <laughs> I was like, wow, this is good. This is a really good information here. I'm like, where is he going to go with this? Yeah. And then he started stumbling a little because bit. Because it was already false, that his first statement. And it was like, oh, gosh, oh, man. Well, then he's like, well, yeah. Um, and then the other guy in the pot, he's like, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you can. Um, if Only if you're broke. But think about it, right? So there's a Roth conversion. So that's that, that's when you put money into a retirement account. You take, take the tax deduction. And then when you move that money into a Roth IRA, you pay tax. Mm-hmm. By the conversion, and then all of that money will forever grow tax-free. Right. All right. So we talk about Roth conversions. If you've ever listened to five seconds of this show, we probably said Roth fifteen times in that five seconds. Probably. But this is the opposite. I'm saying, hey, I have a Roth. I didn't take the deduction. I have all this money growing tax-free. Can I move it into a t- t- traditional IRA take, to blow myself take, up in taxes? Yeah, get, take that write-off. And get the write-off. Right. What you could do, and let me see if you agree with this, Al. Okay. I make a Roth IRA conversion. For twenty, uh, I mean, a contribution, mm-hmm. Roth IRA contribution for twenty sixteen. Okay, okay. I have until April. Well, I have until October fifteenth to recharacterize, but I have until April fifteenth to make any type of contribution of okay. next year. Yes. True. So I could potentially recharacterize the Roth contribution and then contribute to an IRA. Sure. That if, would give that same effect in that time frame. I, I agree with that. In other words, if it's still within that same time period, in other words, you made it in 2016 and you could recharacterize it all the way to 2017 or October 15th of 2017. Yeah, but you would have to make the non-deductible IRA contribution for 2016 before April 15th. Correct. So you would have yes. to do the recharacterization and contribution before yes, that date the, versus the, the October at date. At the same time. That's correct. Yeah, I agree with that. Or if you're broke... You can always pull out your Roth contribution, regardless of what age you are. Sure. No tax, no penalty. No one knows that, Joe. Right. I, 32 years old, you did. You you listened to our show, you did a $5,500 Roth conversion. Contribution. Next, contribution, sorry. Contribution. Thank you. And next year, you lose your job. Okay, that $5,500 is growing to 6000 Well, you can take the $5,500 out, no tax, no penalty. If you take that $500 of growth, tax, and penalty, so Try not to do that. But you can take your contribution out in an emergency. Anytime, any age, no tax, no penalties. Right. You make $5,000 one year, 5000 the next year, 5000 the next year, 5000 the next year. Four years of contributions, twenty grand in the account. The following year, you need twenty grand. Well, you could pull that $20,000 out, no taxes, no penalties, no harm, no foul, any age, any time. Yes, and I, it, we don't recommend it. We'd no, no. rather have you keep it in the Roth, of course. But worst comes to worst, that's available. So if you're broke, no, don't put it into the IRA and get a deduction. First of all, it's not allowed. Secondly, you don't need the tax deduction. Um, here's okay. one from our one of our younger uh, listeners, but it's not to us. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a uh, 30-year fixed mortgage with Wells Fargo, Alan. Okay, yeah. There has been several financial criminal incidents regarding Wells Fargo this past year. Could my mortgage be negatively negatively affected by this as well as the interest rate hike? What's your comment? 
Uh, the answer is absolutely not. Uh, a mortgage, a fixed mortgage is a fixed contract. So whatever the interest rate was when you took it out is your interest rate for 30 years, regardless of the institution, uh, number one. Number two is... But how, all right, so l l let's take a look at, let's carry on with that. Okay. How long do you think the banks keep that paper on their books? Well, that's the second point. They probably don't even own it. Right. They're probably servicing it, but it's probably part of mortgage-backed securities and investment that we can we can buy. Right. right. So what they do is banks, write the mortgages that they do, they don't keep them on their books. They package them up in a, yes. you know, a CMO, CDO, or yeah, mortgage-backed that, that security that, that blew us up. Our, our <laughs> in, in and of themselves, those are not bad. There were abuses in how those were set up. And if you, if you want to know how that happened, what, go watch The Big Short. That explains it better than we can. Yeah, there's some tranches. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so t so right. So the, the contract that you sign with Wells Fargo is a fixed contract. You have a fixed interest rate. There's absolutely no way to change it. And plus, Wells Fargo probably doesn't even own the loan anyway. What about interest rate hike? Well, that will probably affect future yeah, lender or, or, or borrowers, but that's, not yours. That's the whole point of getting a fixed mortgage. And as a matter of fact, since interest rates rate were raised up by a quarter of a percent and will likely continue. I mean, that's what they told us. That's what Janet Yellen said. She'd like to raise it maybe up to three, three, more, times yeah, three more times in, in 2017. So what does that mean? That means mortgage interest. It's not directly tied to it, but there's an indirect relationship. So right, that's the that, Fed funds rate. That's right. what they're raising. I think most people don't know what the, heck the no, Fed funds rate is. Not. It's what banks lend each other on the right. overnight rate. Right. But probably mortgage rates will go up. And if you've got a variable rate, you might want to get a fixed rate loan right now. That's that's actually the takeaway. Take a break. Show's called Your Money or Wallet. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Uh, my name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner professional. I'm with Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Where I got into the email bag. Yes. It's kind of like a stocking here, just full of questions. You, and, yeah, and we, I think we answered one question last segment. Let's see if we can do another one. All right. Uh, you know, the, the difference... Um, Yep, I knew before I opened my mouth. I should have knew what I was going to tell you. Okay, you don't have to. You can stop right now. It, no, it's, it has something to do with like being afraid, encourage, yes. cowardness, and courageness. Courageness. Yeah. Okay. Is that everyone's afraid, right? And so this is the, the trainer of Mike Tyson. Okay. I guess Mike Tyson before he went to a fight, he would always get. He was you know really nervous and had he was anxious and. And it was like, well, you know, everyone has those feelings, right? Sure. It's just what you do with them. Right. Right. So when you have that feel of fear, right? So what, what are, are, how are you, are, you going to harness it? Are you going to harness it yeah. and run away? Or are you right. going to harness it and move forward? Right. And use it and use it for good, right? Or use it for positive. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. everyone has fear. Right. So it's it's not like here, if I, if, if I have fear, then I'm a coward. No, everyone has fear. You could be courageous with that same fear. It's just how you harness it. Wow, this is deep. Look you, at you. Huh? You like that? I do like it, and I completely agree. Yeah, because I mean, there's a, you. I try to push myself to the limit every single day, and so do you. Right. And I think a lot of people, and some of our employees, <laughs> since it's the holiday season, might not do that. <laughs> just kidding. Well, it's funny. We were you and I have talked about this before, and and I remember uh, early on in my young career, I thought I might be one, a, a park ranger. And I actually worked a couple summers in uh, the state park in Idlewild, San Jacinto, and I was doing campfire programs every night. And almost virtually every night, I would get butterflies. And I was thinking, this doesn't 
it doesn't seem right that I, even after like three months, I should be having these butterflies. I did, though, and I found it really helped my performance. And you're right, it's, it's actually how you, you harness that. Great story. <laughs> hey, boo boo. Well, you started it. What's your, what's your story? How do you harness your I was in a, fear? I was a park ranger. I had this hat. I, I did. Khaki shorts. Oh, you, your boots. You, you're so jealous. Oh, I got, man. I, got I to, could just see I got you to dri- I got to drive the green truck. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh. And I, I got to get, like, if you didn't have a permit, I just, I could. Ranger write, Rick, write, right? Y- Wasn't that y- the ranger from Yogi Bear? Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is a question for you. Um, why is it difficult for me to get benefits as a mother caring for a mentally disabled son? I met all the requirements online. As a matter of fact, after I took the questionnaire on the Social Security website, it stated that I would qualify. However, my local Social Security office keeps giving me a hard time. Hmm. What is your suggestion there? Probably should have read this one. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't have a great suggestion other than, Joe, I have heard that to get uh, this Social Security disability payments is a lot harder than you would think, and I know that's not helping you very much, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a great answer right off the right. bat. And it, I, I think, too, it's like you got to keep trying. you got to keep talking to different people or go up the and, chain. Yeah, and the thing is, and we know this to be true, that depending upon who you talk to, you might get a completely different answer at the Social Security Administration. And, and this isn't a slam on them because it's very, very complicated, and you might have someone more senior or more less senior that really doesn't understand the rules as well. When the rules changed this year, right, with file and suspend and restricted application, we met with several clients right before the deadline. A lot of you listeners, too, came in. Right. And so there were certain things that you had to do before certain deadlines. And so we would say, okay, well, here's your strategy. You file for your benefits. You suspend them. Okay, you claim your restricted application and laid it all out to them. So then they would go call their Social Security. Nope, you can't do it. And then so it would come back to us. It's like, well, no, they said that we can't do it. What do you do? It's like, no, you can do this. This is the, right? <laughs> then they go back. No, nope, you can't do it. Then finally, all right, let's do a conference call together. And, I'll, you know, so we would have to go two or three oh, different boy. times just to talk to the right person. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure, you can do it. So I guess our advice with anything is that if you feel that you're entitled to it, just continue to go up the chain. In, yeah, in- I think that's good advice. Another story, Joe, this was probably three or four years ago. When file and suspend, there was nothing wrong with it. You could file and suspend, and your spouse could take spousal, which is half of your benefit. That was completely legit. We had a couple that uh, they were both 68, 68. years old, yep. and neither one was doing anything. And, and so we told them what to do. They went in, same thing. They came back, well, you can't do it. It's not allowed. And I said, oh, my goodness. So I said, all right, here, I am going to email you. And I scanned it right off the Social Security's website. Here's the rule, and here's what you can do. And he took it with him to the next time. Interestingly enough, he didn't even have to pull it out of his briefcase because he got someone that understood it. Signed up, no problem. Right? It's and just this, a pain. I mean, it is. going to the Social Security Administration office is like going to the <laughs> DMV. I mean. It's probably worse than that, but like the dentist. <sighs> all right, here's another one. I recently changed my job. My new employer offers a 401k plan, okay. but only after I've worked for a certain number of hours. Okay. So technically, I cannot contribute towards any retirement account. So as to reduce the tax, can I contribute towards my spouse 401k and max out his contributions? We file taxes jointly. 
Oh, that's a great question. Well, no, you, you can't directly contribute to your spouses, but here's what you can do is you can have your spouse put more into their 401k, reducing his or her paycheck, and then you have more coming out of your paycheck, and you just balance it out that way. Right, Sa- I guess, sa- same effect. Yeah, I guess, well, the, the only caveat with that is that you have to ask, all right, well, is your spouse fully funding the 401k plan? If they're maxing out the 401k plan, then no, then you know it's maxed out. That's so if they're putting point. in eighteen thousand dollars, you cannot put any more than that. Unless you're over fifty, then you can put in twenty four thousand. So let's say your spouse is maxing out the plan, you cannot then piggyback off of his plan or her plan, whatever the case may be here. Yes. But like you said, Al, that's perfect. Is that all right? Well, maybe they're only putting in ten thousand dollars, and you were thinking about putting ten thousand dollars into your plan. Well, we'll just have the spouse then put in twenty thousand dollars out of their paycheck. They're going to have a lot lower paycheck, but then you just have added cash flow because you're not saving into your plan. That just but yeah. then you get into the funny business of okay, well, what you know, people like have their income and investments totally separate. Separate and and right, that makes it a little bit trickier. But uh, now, of course, now you said twenty thousand, and you can actually do twenty four thousand if you're over fifty. But if you're under fifty, it's eighteen thousand max. But here's something else, Joe is that your spouse is in a pension plan, and as long as your joint income is less than $184,000, you can either, and you're not in a pension plan, you can either do a Roth contribution for $5,500 or a regular IRA contribution and take a deduction. So maybe, And maybe that's enough. Maybe $5,500 is enough in this case. All right. Well, let me see. The, this one should be interesting. Will a financial advisor provide an unbiased assessment of a financial plan I already have in place? All right. Summary of the email. I already have an investment advisor connected with an insurance company who handles our investments. Okay. I would like to have an independent financial advisor who can provide an unbiased assessment of our financial plan and investments. Is it possible that an advisor would provide this service and what fee might be expected? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I guess, Joe, I might start by saying there are advisors that are fiduciary, meaning that they're required by law to act in your best interest. And then there are advisors that are what fall under the suitability standard, which means they can sell you anything that's suitable for you, which isn't as strong a standard as fiduciary. So yes, you can find a, a, an advisor that will give you unbiased opinions, but you probably want to go to a fiduciary, I would say. What they will charge you, it's it varies all over the place. And, and some, some will take a look at your situation for free, uh, hoping that you'll change and, and, and use them as the advisor. Others will charge you. I think, honestly, to me, the best financial plans that you can get from an independent uh, fiduciary advisor you're going to need to pay for because then it really is unbiased what it could cost. It could cost $500. It could cost 10000 It just depends upon the firm. There's always going to be biased is my thought. There's always going to be biased. So with this, it's like, all right, well, let me go to a financial advisor. So she or he or she is working with an insurance agent. Yes. And I can see where they're like, okay, well, maybe I want to get an unbiased opinion here. Right. right? So then you have to ask, all right, well, how is that unbiased advisor that you're searching for compensated? Yes. All right. So are they compensated? Do they manage assets? Do they just do a fee-only um, financial plan that does not manage assets? Do, uh, you know, do they charge by the hour? Do they charge by the retainer? And things of that nature. So you have to dive in deeper here, I think. Because let's say that I am a, a, a fiduciary, Alan, right? But I get paid on maybe you know 1.5% or 1% of the assets that I manage. 
So then you come in, you show me your financial right plan. Even though I'm a fiduciary, what's my bias? Yeah, there's definite bias. There's, so, I mean, so, even though that person is going to probably say, you know what, you're in this or that or whatever. Here, I have another plan. Right. And I, I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's going to be fairly difficult. What I would suggest this person to do is say, all right, well, here, I just want a full review. I do not want anyone to manage my assets. So make sure that that advisor knows up front. I would like just a full review or another financial plan. I would say then a good cost of that would probably be 3000 bucks at minimum. Right. And it depends on the assets. I mean, if it's maybe if they got a hundred thousand bucks, I mean, maybe someone would do it for something less than that. Right. And I, and I agree with that assessment, Joe. It's just sometimes it's hard to think that there's that every single person out there has a bias, but unfortunately, that's that's a reality of being a human. Right. Right. Every person you talk to, every article you read, right in the paper <laughs> has a bias. Sure. I mean, if I'm an insurance person, I'm going to look for an insurance opportunity. If I'm an investment guy. I'm going to look for an investment opportunity. I just think that there's a much better chance of having a more having a better, more unbiased opinion with a fiduciary than someone that's not a fiduciary. Yes, of, of course. Because then it's like, well, then how are they compensated? Are they compensated right. via commission? Are they trying to sell you a product? Well, you're not going to get any unbiased information there at all like, like because for, they wouldn't know what to look for. for. For example, you could go to another insurance company that says, oh, yeah, we do financial plans for free. Sure. And then what well, what are they trying to sell you? Exactly. And you know honestly what they may be trying to sell you might be great, right? It might be fantastic. But, but you have to go in there and say, "Hey, I need help. I'm lo- I'm looking for uh, an open opinion." And then just make sure that that open opinion is is as I guess comprehensive as possible. Right. That they are going to take a look at your cash flow in regards to all right, well how are you collecting your social security benefits? What's the taxation of the social security benefits? Should you claim now, should you claim later? Do you have a pension plan? How is that encompassed in the overall retirement income strategy? Right? Do you take a lump sum? Do you take the pension? Do you take a single life? Do you take a joint life? Do you have life insurance to cover any type of shortfall when it comes to death? Then you have to look at the tax implications of the income that you're receiving. Do you have any tax strategy now and in the future? Are you looking to do, you know, I mean, how are they managing the assets from a, either a tax-free component or a capital gains or ordinary income? Do they understand the impact of the taxation of the investments that you have? Then you have to look at the investments itself. What is the risk? What's the return? What's the fees? What's the cost? What type of products are you in? What's the estate plan look like? How does this all coordinate together? And if they write that all down in writing and say, here's the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, then you can take that and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe I should switch advisors. Then you go and then you know do whatever. But I think it has to be more comprehensive versus saying, hey, can you take a look at my plan? Most people are going to say it's garbage. Work with me. I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. And so. I and I think unfortunately to get a, a good unbiased plan is gonna cost you some money. Sure. Yeah. Right. And three thousand bucks, that's probably a good figure. Could be more, could be less, but that's probably with written recommendations, right. Dive in, in real deep. Agreed. Right? Yes. You know, and I would say our because we do free consultations, we do free tax analysis, we do, yeah, we um, do. and but we're not spending Forty hours on this, right. you know. We'll spend a couple of hours, and we understand that we're losing money on it, but we're fine with that because then we can show people exactly what they need to do. That was our whole mantra when we came up with this, and so it's all detailed. It's in writing, and then they can say, "All right, well, my advisor is doing this; they're not doing this, or maybe I can do this myself, or maybe it might make sense for me to hire an advisor." Give the person the opportunity to understand in the education behind it. 
I think. I think most people need a good comprehensive financial strategy, but I, I agree with you 100% that that person should be a, a fiduciary. They should be a fee only. I mean, if they're commission or fee based, whatever, as long as they're competent and you understand the commissions and how you're paying for that advisor, I think it's fine because it's not necessarily about the product too or the fees and the cost. It's about someone being competent enough to help that individual in good times and bad times and have the right strategy in looking forward and making sure that they can coach them through really bad times. Right. Agreed. And uh, Joe, that's, that's one of the tough things about our industry is, is there are, there's many good advisors and there's some that aren't as good and, and you just have to be careful. I think, I think what you hit on something really good, which is when you talk to somebody that you're considering being an advisor, ask them how they're compensated. Right. And I mean, it's so foolish for us to talk about because you and I are advisors. I know. We have a it's, bias it's, to even talking about It's already this. biased, which makes us uncomfortable. <laughs> but. Alan's like, oh God, do you really want to say that? Yes, I do. I'm transparent. I don't care. <laughs> All right. We got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to wrap this show up, right? Are we done? We're done next after this. We're almost this. done. All right. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner, Big Al Clopine, CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Happy holidays, everyone. I know we're kind of winding down the year. We're just kind of getting things roaring up for end of year. And then, of course, 2017. I want to thank everyone that went to our tax workshop. Was that last week already? It was last week. Last yes. week. Yep. Uh, we had one on Tuesday and one on Saturday. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we have a recap of that show. We have a quick 10-minute video, I believe, of Alan going through kind of the proposed changes. Uh, then we have a full, like, 13, 14-page or 12 to 13-page white paper. Yes. It's a lot of pages. It's don't get tripped up with compliance. You're right. There's it's, more it, than one page. Joe, it's not 14. It was 13. 13. Right. I knew that. As soon as I said it, I didn't know the number. Um, all right. So let's see here. We got a couple of questions that came through from our tax workshop, Al. Oh, good. Okay. And um, let's go with this one. Can I move money from a retirement account to a Roth IRA? And what is the process like? Tax ramifications. Do I have to move it all? Okay, good good question. Let's uh, retirement account. So uh, am I going to presume it's like a 401k, let's just say? Sure. I'll go with that. Uh, so yes, you can take money out of your 401k. It, it depends, It depends though, uh, your age, <laughs> right? And it also depends upon whether you're working or not. So well, let's just say it's an IRA. If you have an IRA, you can convert that at any time. Yeah. If uh, you have a retirement plan that you're still an active participant in, then you have to kind of. Well, then you'd have to you'd have to have an in-service withdrawal right. if you're over 59 and a half. But but the concept is is this. We'll we'll make it simpler, Joe. Good point. You got money in an IRA. Can you convert it to a Roth IRA? The answer is yes. yes. You can convert it. What's the ramifications? You pay ordinary income tax on what you convert. If you convert too much and put yourself in a higher tax bracket. You can recharacterize all or part of that. And finally, you do not have to convert the whole thing. You can convert any dollar amount you want to. I am a government employee and have a TSP. What is the difference between that and a Roth IRA? A civilian Roth IRA and TSP? TSP. You you answer what a TSP is. Well, well TSP is a thrift savings plan, and that's offered to uh, government employees. It's just exactly like the 401k plan or 403b, whatever. Um, and then what's the difference between that and a Roth IRA? Well, you can do a Roth TSP. That's an after-tax contribution that grows 100% tax-free. Roth IRA is an individual retirement account that you can contribute tax-free. It's just the contribution limits are different. On a TSP plan, thrift savings plan, you can do $18,000. If you're over 50, you can go 24. 
In a Roth IRA, it's $5,500. If you're over 50, it's another 1065 You have the full universe of choices in the IRA. The TSP has four or five choices. The four or five choices in the TSP, however, are very cheap, good investments. They're low cost. Yeah, low cost. It's yeah. fine. You know, you have you know major food groups there. So I wouldn't necessarily worry about it. So And you can do both. If you want to put money into the TSP and to a Roth IRA, you can absolutely do that as well. You can double up. Most people think, hey, since I'm contributing to my retirement account, I can't contribute to my IRA or Roth IRA. The answer is false. You can absolutely do both. Um, hey, well, join us next week. I'll give you the inside scoop to see if Alan followed our directions when it comes to office etiquette at a uh, holiday party. We're going to review how I did? Yes. Yeah, so we'll have a secret uh, camera, and we'll put that up on our TV show coming up season four in January. Perfect. So next uh, next month, we'll have season four of Your Money, Your Wealth, so stay tuned for that. If you've never seen an episode of the TV show, uh, you can go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com, yourmoneyyourwealth.com. It was ranked uh, the number one show. Two years in a row by my mother. Yeah, at 6.30 a.m. In, yes. in San Diego. Yes, she voted it the best show, best financial show in San Diego best, at 6.30 in yeah, the morning. Right. On CBS. And the only one. The only one. <laughs> but we got that going for us. Yeah, we do have that going for us. All right. Well, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, we'll see if, if what we get next week, actually, because I think it's, what, Christmas Eve almost next week? So yeah. you might get a best we, of. We might you might do get a best us. of. You'll, you'll, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, right. All right. Happy holidays. We'll see you soon. Show's called Your Money Wealth. For Big Al Clopine, I'm Joe Anderson.